Good morning, people of God. Oh, amen and welcome and thank you for joining us, all of you here in person, all of you online on this beautiful Sunday morning. We'll get a little break from the heat. That feels nice. Going to get some rain today. My lawn will be thankful. Uh, We will be celebrating Holy Communion this morning, so hopefully on your way in you received a little communion kit. Uh, For those of you at home, hopefully you have uh, uh, some bread and some wine or grape juice available as well following our our sermon today. A couple announcements for this morning. We do have a blood drive tomorrow. Uh, The uh, state of the state, I guess, is that we, of course, have a blood shortage and For whatever reason, this summer they're having a really hard time filling out all the spots available. So we still have spots available for our blood drive tomorrow. If you are able to and willing, uh, you have to go through the website now. You can't just call up Jennifer and say, I want to come in. And you can't just walk in. You have to register in advance. So if you're able to, please do so. And no, I believe there's like 44 out of 60 some spots that have been taken, so there's still like 20 spots available. So, if that's for you, it'd be great to have you share the gift of life. Uh, in one month, on Sunday, July 24th, we are going to be packing meals for Kids Against Hunger, uh, which is a great event. Obviously, it's a great organization that uh, provides food for homeless, for hungry children, obviously, and especially for like disaster relief. Uh, because they're such quick and easy meals to make, everything's all in one package. Uh, so we'll be making those meals, but in order to make them, we have to buy the products for them. So we have a little fundraiser on our pillar in the entryway. There are envelopes with numbers on them. It's a really simple one. You pick the envelope number that of, of the, the amount you want to give, and you put the money in it and put the envelope in the box. That's simple. If it's If you don't... If that number's not available to you, you can add two or three together. Uh, it's pretty fun stuff to do. So uh, we'll be collecting funds for that throughout this next month and uh, doing that packing together following worship. So there is a registration through our website. You get the constant contact. You sign up. Uh, we're looking for like 50, 75 people to come and help pack meals. So that'd be great if you would come join us for that. Finally, we have about a 10-minute presentation here this morning about a wonderful ministry that has been going on that we hope to and plan to support uh, in the future here. And so I will let Doug introduce himself and share a bit more about his ministry. Am I on? All right. Thank you, Pastor Dave, and thank you, Sue Shepard and uh, team, for inviting me to come and see you today. Uh, I came from Plymouth, which is like the other side of the world in in Detroit metro area, but it's great to be up here, and uh, I really appreciate the time you can share with me uh, to to speak to you about a ministry that I've been involved in for the past uh, 13 years. I'm a member of a Presbyterian church over in Plymouth and heard about this ministry through uh, the the mission uh, organization of our church and decided right away, you know, 
water. This is about water, the fundamental need for water, and water is life. And Sue Shepard noticed that a lot of people are wearing blue today, so thank you for that recognition of the, the, the color of blue and the significance of water. We all need water, which is what kind of drove me to get into this in the first place. I never thought about it. I live in a nice area, suburban, you know, really affluent area, and I just get water turning on the tap. And even to think that there are still people in the world who don't have that access, not only access to water, but access to safe water. And I'll show you some pictures here in my uh, presentation about what we try to do over in Africa to help people who are struggling with water. So here we go. So that's, that's us. It's called Marion Medical Mission. It's a, uh, an organization from, based in the U.S. from uh, Illinois. But they, uh, years and years ago, started traveling to Africa doing medical mission initially, and they heard from people over there, look, it would really help us to solve a lot of medical issues if we can get right to the source of the problem, which is people not having access to clean water, and so they get diarrhea, cholera, dysentery, many, many waterborne diseases. Uh, it kills young children, it kills old people, and makes anybody sick. So that's where we go, all, of, all the way across the world to Africa. The area we actually work in, are, there are three countries in southeastern Africa, Malawi, Zambia and Tanzania, they're all contiguous in this, in this area of, of southeastern uh, Africa. And we work with uh, Lutheran churches in uh, Tanzania that I did not know historically was a, a mission area for the Lutheran church, so our, our partner uh, in Tanzania is the Evangelical Lutheran Church. Here's the challenge, open water sources. And again, you can't believe, this is, these are all pictures I personally took on my trips over there. I've been there 20, 25 times in total. Uh, and this is actually a village I, I saw. Uh, that water is just an open hole in the ground. You know, it's groundwater, but it's completely exposed to the air, to dirt, animals walking in there, plant life. So it's very, very dirty. They do their best to filter it and clean it up, but it's still not safe water. So yeah, the challenge we have is where we go is very, very remote villages. I mean, it's almost like what you see in National Geographic. People in mud huts with grass roofs. They are... Uh, you know, some of the poorest people in the world. They make a couple of dollars a day. They're subsistence farmers. There is no infrastructure around them. So there's no electrical supply, no water department. They, they're out there farming, and they really do rely on their own resources to survive. Uh, lots of communities, you know, that are just so far away, and we need to have them be able to take care of the wells that we actually work with them to produce. They have to be able to support that themselves. There you go, that's a little boy. And I mean, when I'm talking subsistence farmers, they don't even have cattle or, or uh, other animals pulling plows. They're out there in the fields working the ground themselves. So they are some of the poorest people that I've ever heard of in the world. So Marion Medical Mission, like I said, it's a, it's a private, it's a Christian group from out in Illinois. Marion, Illinois is the name of the town they're from. Uh, a couple in the church out there started going on mission trips uh, 37 years ago and quickly heard about the need for clean water. Uh, so over the years, it's amazing, and I could go on for hours about what they've developed. They've created an infrastructure of workers, shops, a truck fleet that is used to, to make the parts, to get out into the field, and to work with the villages. Volunteers like me come every year. We haven't come the past two years due to COVID, but we go every year to help them install the wells. Uh, all the money that we um, do utilize for not only the wells themselves, but the, the support people and the, and the infrastructure over there is all raised privately. Uh, primarily small donations, families, churches like us that go, you know, go out and will pay for a well. Um, but over that period of time, it's unbelievable that this group has installed over 45,000 wells 
like 85 or 90 percent of them are still working but over that period of time that's how much has been has been put out there they typically support a village of 100 or 150 people so over 5 million people in total have been touched by this group and uh, so that's our logo and and what we talk about is we're Christian we're community-based and we're single focused on safe protected water so we've come, what we've, they came up with years ago is a very low-cost solution. Uh, it needs to work reliably in these remote villages, which have no power supply and virtually no money. Uh, all the parts that we supply, the pump, the pipe, the cement, are all sourced in Africa, fabricated in shops that we have over there. Um, and we really need to focus always on the village's ability to maintain the well. People always ask me, okay, you put a well and what happens when it breaks? Well, that's a really good question. You go back to the river if your well isn't maintained, but we have a system set up working with local people, very simple parts, they're trained, they have some tools so they can repair the well. And the villages do contribute a little bit of money to help pay for those parts. So there's a site that's on the side of a mountain. It's your, like I said, out in farming areas. The wells are away from people's homes, so you'll have seven, eight, nine, ten families all working together to build a well, but you'll have to site it in a safe place. It's critical. Away from animal pens, away from latrines, in a, in a clean area. There is no industry, so that's not a worry, but just to keep it away from any ground contamination. They're hand dug. I mean, we're talking the simplest technique. In this area, the water table is relatively high so you know 20 30 feet is about as deep as we usually need to go to get to good groundwater the key is to protect it you know that dirty hole in the ground the water is good if it's protected from all the outside contamination so that still has dirty water in it since we're just still building it and people are stirring it up but it does it does clean after the, the wells are built they make the bricks that line the line the hole and local people and which we who we train actually build the well itself Yeah, what we do is so that we, we've got to get those parts out into the remote countryside. So we've got a fleet of like eh, 25, I think right now, of these Toyota. Uh, they're all Toyotas. Unfortunately, we've tried to get Ford and GM to come through for us, but they're, the, they're our supplier. But they have these amazing Land Cruiser four-wheel drive trucks that we load up with all the parts and take them out as far as we can go. And then we start walking. I mean, we have to walk and walk quite often out into a remote area just to get to where the people are and uh, carrying the parts on our backs so we work you know hand in hand with the local people we we go out and help them but it's the the village our own uh, employees and, and builders that we work with to get out to the wells the trick it can be a little interesting traveling up and down mountains that literally is a log bridge over a river so that's honestly the kind of terrain that we work in so it's quite quite amazing it's like nothing i'd ever seen before there's the uh, typical parts we supply. So each well, I think we, I, I talked to Sue and, and Claude about this. Each well, the, the cost is a $450. So it's pretty cheap, but it's, it's a basic well. Okay, so what that buys is 10 bags of cement, uh, plastic pipes that are dropped into the, into the well to get the water up, and then a, a galvanized steel pump. And all those are put together at the well site, and that's what we do. That brings the water up from the ground. So each well, this is a typical well site. When it's finished, you've got a little apron and a cover. That's the, the, the well itself that's been built before we show up by the local people uh, and our trained builders. takes about a week to build it, and then we start installing the pipes. So we measure the depth, cut the pipes, and just assemble it right on site. So they're easy to put together. It takes a half hour or so, but working with those guys, we connect everything together, make sure it works, off we go. 
Yep, so here are the local guys again. These, as you see, these sites are very remote, very basic, but it's a technology that works in this situation. That's the pump. It's an open, it's not a proprietary uh, device. It's a, it's a, you know, open uh, piece of equipment. Anybody can use it. We just have the system that these folks have created over the years to get this out to people to use these, these technologies. And we thank the Lord. You saw that dirty water. And again and again, I've seen this myself probably a couple thousand times. You see that clean water come out of that pipe. Uh, the joy that people have, the relief they have that, oh my Lord, my, finally, I'm, my kids aren't going to get sick drinking water. Uh, it is quite a sight to see. Like I said, we work with the village, so this is so typical. You know, the whole group comes around, the kids, the, the women, the men all get together and celebrate when, when the well has been installed and it's working. So we do a little quick uh, you know, orientation with them. There's more training to come, but our, our guys do talk about how to take care of the well, keep the kids off it, don't let animals climb on it, you know, blah, 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 to, to try to make sure they, they at least know the basics of how to take care of this thing uh, so it doesn't break. Uh, invariably, the people will you know, give you a gift. And again, these are some of the poorest people I've ever met, but they are, A, very grateful, and in their culture, they're very generous, and they give you gifts. So that's me with a... Live chicken. That, uh, <laughs> just what I needed, right? So we do give those to our local workers, by the way. So anyway, but there, it's, it's a great thing. And we always, uh, on each and every well, uh, you see it, it's inscribed in the cement when it's still wet, the words, glory to God, or in the Chichewa, ulemu kwamulungu, which means glory to God in their language. Uh, we are Christians. We, we're very open about that. We come because we love the Lord. Uh, we believe Jesus calls us to go out and help those in need, but we do not only work with Christian villages. Most people in these countries are Christian, but they're Muslims. They're non-believers. Uh, we all believe they're people who are God's creation, and uh, we work with them uh, willingly, gladly to uh, help them get clean water. So how any of us can help, of course, we're always looking for funding. That always is wonderful. Uh, a well costs $450. We also uh, do, obviously, have to pay the workers and put fuel in those trucks. So we do other donations above and beyond that. But the basic donation is for the well cost of materials themselves. And as you said, 100% of the money that we raise does go to Africa. We do have a couple of people in the U.S., which we fund, again, a couple donors, and we support them ourselves that, that do the administrative stuff here. But the great majority of the entire organization is in Africa, uh, both paid people and volunteers working in the villages. We do have a couple trips we do. It's a little weird right now. We're still working out COVID, post-COVID how we're going to do it. We, uh, but we normally have people come over for a few weeks if they want to come out and help volunteer. Uh, we do training. We do some orientation. It's not easy, so it's not for everybody, but that is a possibility if people are interested interested in, in becoming a volunteer. And of course, please pray for God's blessings upon this organization, for the safety of the people, and that uh, we'll have the means, uh, both human and financial and spiritual, to uh, keep going uh, every year. And it keeps people at my church ask, are you done yet? Are, we, are all the people in Africa all good? And we're not. We're not. You know, every, every year we have, we're doing about 3,000 wells a year right now, and we've got that much demand and more uh, again in these countries. And we're slowly expanding further up into those countries. So that's my story. Again, I appreciate your attention. Thank you so much. Uh, God bless you, and uh, let's praise the Lord. Thanks. Thanks. Well, thank you so much, Doug. Appreciate your heart and your ministry with, with all that. Uh, 
In my almost eight years here, uh, I was adding it up during your talk, and I think we've given between twenty and $25,000 for clean water, whether it was uh, through Lutheran World Relief or through you know, Flint and all that. Um, but I, I definitely, uh, I'm exci- I got goosebumps thinking about ways that we can help continue you know, God's work in Africa. And Amen. Thank you. Uh, with all that said, uh, I invite you to uh, stand up as you are able and let us pray. Sovereign God, ruler of our hearts, you call us to obey you and you favor us with true freedom. Keep us faithful to the ways of your Son that leaving behind all that hinders us, we may steadfastly follow your paths. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord and all of God's people say, Amen. Please be seated. Well, sisters, brothers, dear ones, grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So jumping right into our gospel reading for this morning, it comes to us from the book of Luke, the ninth chapter, starting in verse 51. I invite you to follow along on the screen and to hear these words. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they did not receive him, because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I'll follow wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I had a sermon in mind before this weekend came. I had props, I had an amazing visual, it was going to be amazing and uplifting and challenging and the church was going to be full next Sunday because going to church and God was going to be everyone's main priority. Yeah, it was going to be good. And then I reread our Bible reading for today. I reread it yesterday afternoon. And lo and behold, I threw my sermon away. I know, I should have saved it for later, but I didn't. In particular, I read that first half, and I couldn't even get to the second half, where people were either coming to Jesus saying, I will follow you, or or Jesus was telling people to follow me. I couldn't even get there. I was pounded to a halt. 
When I read these words, on their way they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for Jesus, but they didn't receive him because his face was toward Jerusalem. And then his disciples, James and John, saw it and they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven to consume them? Please tell me I'm not the only one incredibly disappointed, shocked, and confused by the violent reaction of James and John. Jesus has his face set toward Jerusalem, not letting anything stop him from embracing the cross that awaits him there. And when a group of foreigners decide not to take them in, James and John immediately suggest calling down fire from heaven to consume them. Calling down fire to consume an entire community. Burning them all, women, men, children, animals, everyone and everything. Like Danny uh, saying Dracaris from the Game of Thrones, right? Burn them all. Yeah, this is disappointing, shocking, and confusing. This reaction from these disciples absolutely stopped me in my tracks. And then the more I thought about it, maybe, maybe just disappointed and not all that shocked or, or confused, really. Truth be told, this feels all too common these days. Whether like in a show or in a, in a, uh, a movie or, or series like Game of Thrones or, or for that matter in our daily media, whether it's on Facebook in the news or on Twitter, a relentless dehumanizing and demonizing of those who are different from us or those who disagree with us. Maybe it's not as outrageous as this scene, whether it's the belittling of political opponents, the stereotyping of those of a different faith, or the subtle but persistent signaling of our own good values over and against those who disagree with us who must have bad values, it feels like we are increasingly willing and quick to draw a line between who's in and who's out. And those who are out, (laughs) Lord, can we consume them with fire? But still, James and John are disciples. I mean, they're the ones who should get it, right? I mean, they're the ones who are walking with Jesus every day, who are seeing the miracles, the love, the forgiveness. They should know better, right? Well, yeah, they should. But it turns out even disciples can be affected by triumphalism, thinking they are better than the others who are different than they are. Even disciples can see that those who thwart their plans or disagree with their convictions as an enemy. And even disciples can decide that to be different is to be less than human or not worthy of life. Which is why even though I find the first half of this reading disturbing, it's still good for us to talk about and pay attention to. Because it's very real. And it's going on in our society right now. 
I recently saw a survey that I was surprised to learn that empathy, right, the ability to uh, uh, see another person's perspective and imagine and sympathize with their feelings, right, you know, empathy, nod your heads, okay, this study showed that empathy had dropped over 40% among college students in school since 2000 uh, than a year earlier, or an earlier generation of students, As one person said, I'm guessing the students could have faked it to make themselves look kinder or nicer, but the fact that they weren't even compelled to do that suggests something huge. If young people don't even care about seeming uncaring, something is seriously wrong. And it's not just young people. I'm trying really hard not to come across pessimistic here, but this, I don't know, doesn't this generally sum up how things feel right now? Regardless of what side you fall on on just about any topic, I hear the voice of James and John. Lord, let's just command fire to come down from heaven and consume the others. Well, thankfully... Jesus rebukes them. (laughs) That's a good start. He rebukes them for saying that, let alone even thinking that. And then something else Luke mentions grabbed my attention. Luke tells us that Jesus had his face set toward Jerusalem. And here's why I think this is important, why Luke mentions this. Because I think for Luke, it's important that, that Jesus is in a hurry to get to Jerusalem to die for sinners like James and John. For those like us. He set his face for the cross in order to redeem those who think it's okay to harm others. Or for those who can always think of just one more thing that you got to do before actually doing what Jesus calls and invites and commands us to do. Which to me sounds like, well, whether you're empathetic or not, self-righteous or not, too busy or cool for God or not, that Jesus comes for us. All of us. And it doesn't matter, or it it doesn't, and if that fact, (laughs) that Jesus comes for each and every one of you, and myself included, if that doesn't pierce our insecurity or fear or need to be in control or our numbness or privilege or whatever it might be that causes us to overlook the needs of others, then I don't know what will. And even if it doesn't affect you this morning, Jesus still comes. Which doesn't mean that there's nothing we can do in the meantime. Redeemed and beloved, after all, doesn't mean we have to be complacent and just watch things happen. In fact, I believe it means it's time to be active. I can't help but think of another scene that Luke talks about. Luke also wrote the the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 2... The fire from heaven is actually released. It's called the Holy Spirit. And in that moment when uh, uh, the fires from heaven, right, it it descends upon the disciples as tongues of flame, the true fire from heaven, it turns out, is intended not to harm others, but to make us more bold in our confession of God's love, 
to make us more understandable to each other, to reconnect us with one another, to help us to hear each other, to see each other, to care for each other better. Which I have to believe is somewhat ironic that the very thing the disciples are asking for to hurt others is the very thing God uses to heal others. Because here's the reality. Do we draw lines and decide who's in and who's out? All the time. Do we sometimes, maybe a lot of times, think or say or do things that harm others? Yep, sure do. Do we put our own wants and desires ahead of the priorities that Jesus calls us to hold most important? Yeah. And even knowing all of this, Jesus nevertheless comes for us. He goes to the cross for us. And he prays that the Holy Spirit, the true fire from heaven, to move and shake things up in our lives, bringing power that we might see in each other the face of God. Last weekend, a very big decision was made by our Supreme Court that is seen as a a Christian decision. And regardless of what side you are on, I noticed on Facebook and in conversations, there are people grieving and there are people celebrating. Regardless, there are people who are hurting. And in the midst of victories and sorrows, of whatever side you lie on, the calling today is simple. (laughs) We are not called to bring down fire upon others. Today is all about following Jesus and not coming up with excuses why we should do other things, why they're wrong and we're right, why one side has it and the other side doesn't, today Jesus rebukes all of that and says, I need you right now. There are people hurting in this world and they need to know I love them and I choose you to tell them. May you hear that today. I know people today who uh, are walking away from Christianity and from the church, and I hear that. And to to all of us, I say now is more important than ever to sink our our teeth in, to to dig our feet in, if not, and, 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 and to be that face of Jesus and to see the face of God in each other. We don't all have to agree, but gosh darn it, we all have to live together, and why not focus on ways that we can see the best in each other? May that be our mission this week. May that be our invitation each and every day. May you wake up in the morning and think, okay, God, how are you going to reconnect me and, and, and take charge and, and, and bring me into new life today? Because it'll happen. 
And I'm excited to see where God leads each and every one of you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Let's just pray real quick. Heavenly Father, we can't thank you for who you are. In the midst of all the stuff you were going through, that Jesus was going through, that the Holy Spirit goes through, (laughs) in our reading today, you remind us that even in a messy world, you set your face to the cross. You focused your attention and all of who you are towards saving us and redeeming us and showing us your love. Send your spirit, rain down the fire of your love into our hearts today that we might let that be our focus as well. That we might set our faces to what you have done for us so that we can dare to want to be that and do that for others. We ask all this in your holy and precious name and all of God's people say, Amen. And for our prayers this morning, we're going to try something new. I don't know, the the thought occurred to me, I think it was in the car maybe on Friday morning, that uh, for the prayers of intercession, traditionally, the same prayers are said in most Lutheran churches, right? And so I say the prayer, I say, Lord, in your mercy, you respond with, hear our prayer. But what hit me is that it's failing to teach you how to pray. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to try something different. Not, doesn't mean it's going to stay this way, but I don't know. Let's, let's give it a shot. So I'm going to give you uh, the topic or the theme that we are going to pray for. And then in your hearts... You are going to pray for what you feel is important to to pray to God about that topic. Okay, I'll give you a few seconds. I'll say, Lord, in your mercy, we'll all say, you know, hear our prayer and move on to the next topic. Okay, we're going to give that a shot. Doesn't mean you have to like it. I'm going to maybe be uncomfortable a little bit this morning. But I think that's good for us to do right now because the world needs our prayers. And if this can help you find the words, and it's okay if you don't think you have the right words, whatever you pray, however you pray, is acceptable to God. And if you're confused or or thinking you don't have the right words, just trust the Holy Spirit will give them to you. That's the promise that we find in Scripture. So, let us pray. We begin our prayers by praying for all of God's people. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for creation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are overlooked or oppressed.
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those hurting or those in need of healing. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for ourselves and what's going on in our own personal lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Since we have such great hope in your promises, O oh God, we lift these and, and all of our prayers that we've shared to you in silence, in our hearts, knowing that you not only hear us, but that these prayers matter to you. We offer them all up to you in confidence and in faith as we now pray together the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I now invite you to take your seats and take your communion kits out to take out uh, any bread or wine or grape juice that you have at home. Get you one, sir. Anyone else need communion this morning? Okay. And again, for those of you here, the simplest way to do it is to push down on it first, and that separates the plastic from the top. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, and it's given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Body of Christ given for you. Amen. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup. He gave thanks and gave it for all to drink saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, and it's shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me, the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. People of God, may the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you always in God's grace. And all of God's people say... Amen. Finally, it's important that we ask for your financial support today. None of the uh, amazing work that God has done through King of Kings and continues to do is possible without your generosity. The buckets are there on your way out. If the Holy Spirit moves you to also want to give a donation uh, to the, the wonderful work that's being done uh, uh, through the Marian Medical Mission, um, you can you know, just... You can write it to King of Kings if you want, and then put in the note, Marian Medical Mission. Yes, Kathy. There's an extra basket for that. Excellent. 
And uh, as a congregation, regardless of your personal offerings, we will be uh, uh, funding at least uh, um, a well or two or three or four, or we'll see what we have sitting around. It's just too important to not be giving the gift of life and clean water. Amen? Amen. Finally, may you receive this blessing. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, and until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Amen. With that, people of God, may you go in peace and share the good news. Thanks be to God.